Alright, so if you haven't been with us, we have been going through a series about who we are as Chi Alpha. So we started with the first five weeks, talking about like our main core things. Um, and then we've kind of been following that up with who we are by continuing through Acts. We've been in the, the book of Acts. Um, and so last week, we heard from Cassidy in Acts chapter 6, talking about Stephen. Um, and that was super cool. She led us through an imagination prayer of scripture through Acts chapter 6, which is really cool. I'm excited to do that in my own God time a little bit too. Um, so that was sweet. Um, and we're going to continue in that story, this story of Stephen. Um, and so we've been talking about how, as Jesus followers, we're spirit-filled, right? We talked about that the last couple weeks, which means that we have an intimate access to God's presence. It also means that we're emboldened for missions and that we're empowered to bless the people around us with supernatural gifts and that God speaks to us through his spirit. Tonight, we're going to learn that to be followers of Jesus, we also must have obedient hearts. When God speaks to us, we must respond in obedience. So, to pick up where Cassidy left off last week, um, we're going to be in chapter 6, but we're going to spend most of today in chapter 7. So you're going to want to follow along. And our Bible passers, you can come pass out some Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and we'll get one to you tonight. Even if you just want to borrow one for the night, go for it. Okay. So real quick, we're going to catch up with the story. Um, Stephen, if you remember, is chosen to be one of seven guys who were put in charge of making sure that the widows in the church were getting taken care of. They saw a need. Um, these widows aren't being taken care of. We need to make sure they get taken care of. So they, like, formed a committee, um, and Stephen was one of those guys. So basically, um, he's not one of the top apostles or church leaders. He's basically a servant to these elderly people. So he's, he's a pretty normal guy, right? Um, but what does it say about Stephen? In chapter 6, verse 5, it says that he's a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Um, that's the only distinction it gives us of who Stephen is. Um, and we, we've heard that a lot, right? These, these people that are, are full of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so we see in this story that Stephen starts getting some attention. Because, like most of the other Spirit-filled believers, um, the Lord starts doing amazing signs and wonders through this man. Um, opposition rises up against him um, and the other believers, I mean, especially with this particular Jewish synagogue um, that starts targeting S Stephen. They argue with Stephen, um, but it says they get frustrated because they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. So they conspire against Stephen. They seize him and bring him to the Sanhedrin. Um, and the Sanhedrin are the religious leaders, the Jewish religious leaders. Um, basically, they're, they function as the judicial system of um, Jerusalem there, these Jewish people. Um, so these Jewish people, they're mad at Stephen because he's really wise. Um, and they get these other people, people to falsely testify against Stephen. Um, basically, they convince people to lie in court against Stephen. Um, and in verse 13, we see that they accuse him of preaching against the temple and the laws of Moses, which were crimes punishable by death. So here Stephen is. He's in front of these men who will decide his guilt or his innocence, and they'll decide the fate of his life or death. 
And what comes next, and what we're going to talk about tonight, is one of, the, one of the famous speeches of the Bible. And it would be some of the last words that Stephen speaks before he is stoned to death by the man putting him on trial. And making him one of the first followers of Jesus to be martyred for preaching the gospel. Heavy stuff, right? So, let's get into it. Um, we're going to be in chapter 7. Um, and I really wanted to read the whole chapter to you because um, it's a really cool chunk of, like, history of the, the people of God, and he pulls cool things out of it. Um, but I don't want to go over time like I did a couple weeks ago, so you're welcome. Um, so we're just going to go, um, I'm going to give you an overview, and then we'll pull out some themes that I think really get to the heart of what uh, Stephen's talking about. So um, we pick it up in Acts chapter 7 with Stephen as he's being questioned about the accusations against him. Um, and in response, he gives this speech. Um, and in his speech, he doesn't claim his innocence. He doesn't, like, defend himself in front of these, these people. Um, or he doesn't say, like, they're, they're false accusing me. Like, they're liars. He doesn't do any of that. Instead, he takes his chance to basically give a condensed version of the history of Israel. Um, and Israel is, is the people of God. I'm going to interchange a, a few words here a lot. So Israel um, or the people of God or the Jewish people, all of those are the same thing. And I say all those words quite a bit. Um, so know that. Um, so now this story that was, this was a story that was very well known to these Jewish leaders. Um, they probably had memorized the majority, if not all, of the Torah and the Pentateuch, or what we know now as the Old Testament, um, which tells the, the history of the people of Israel. So these guys were like the top brass of, of the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders. And so they, they knew all this, right? So that would be like me, who um, I'm, I'm really bad at basketball, but I love playing, and Ethan, if you don't know, is really good at basketball. He played a lot of years. He knows his stuff. He's a baller. So this would be this situation would be like me coming to Ethan and be like, Ethan, let me explain to you the basics of basketball. <laughs> He'd be like, What? Who are you? What are you talking about? So that's that's probably what these Jewish leaders are thinking. Um, they probably felt they it probably felt pretty condescending to them, right? Like, who is this guy? trying to teach us about the Pentateuch and history of Israel. Come on. Um, but we see that, that Stephen highlights very intentional moments um, and specific people in this story. Um, and he does that to make some points, right? So he's, pr he's pretty intentional with how he tells it. Um, the, the Jewish people had accused him of preaching against two things, the temple and the laws of Moses, um, and that was a big deal for these people. Um, and so in his, in his speech, Stephen addresses these two things, not condemning them, but by using the Old Testament scriptures to show these Jewish leaders that they had totally missed the point on these two things. They had fallen into a religious system where they were hyper-focused on the place of the temple and the strict adherence to religious laws, but their hearts were far from God. But Stephen uses their own history to challenge their religious system and to point to the true way of faith, being a relationship with the living God through Jesus. 
had to write in when to dr take drinks. So <coughs> that was one of them. <laughs> so throughout chapter 7, we see um, that Stephen is challenging these Jewish reli religious leaders. Um, he's challenging their Jewish religious system, and he's calling God's people back into relationship with God. So first, let's talk about how Stephen addresses their wrong idea about the temple. Um, you need to know that the Jews at this time were pretty prideful about who they were as God's people, um, and but specifically about the temple. Their belief was that the Jewish temple in Jerusalem was the house of God, that the house of God was the only place where one could worship or be with the presence of God. And they took a lot of pride in that. They believed that the temple gave them special privileges and access to God, even when their hearts were wicked and far from God. So it was almost like this is our right as the people of God to, to be able um, exclusively to worship God in the temple here. <clears throat> and so Stephen, in his speech, gives accounts of how throughout the history of Israel, God meets with faithful people in all kinds of places that aren't the temple in Jerusalem. He shares about when God meets with Abraham in the land of Mesopotamia, um, when God first meets with Abraham and promises um, that you're going to be my people. And then when God meets with Moses at the burning bush in the land of Midian, and again when God meets with Moses on Mount Sinai, all of these places not in Jerusalem and not in the temple, right? Almost making a point like, what? You don't just meet with God in this temple. Um, and then in verse 48 and 50, Stephen quotes Isaiah 66. He says, however, the most high does not live in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? So Stephen challenges the Jewish ideas that God's presence is only in the temple. It wasn't about where these people were, but it was that they had faithful and obedient hearts to God. I'm going to say that again. It wasn't about where these people were, but it was that they had faithful and obedient hearts to God. God's present presence isn't in a building, but it is in his people. Stephen challenges their religious system of only finding God in the temple, and he invites us to find God's presence in relationship with the living God. How many of you come to Chi Alpha or go to church or core um, to be with God and learn about him, but then barely even think of him or acknowledge him the rest of your day? Me too. Stephen then points um, to Jesus, who gives, gives us access to God in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And like we learned a couple weeks ago, through the Holy Spirit, we have the presence of the living God with us at all times. God's, present, God's presence isn't in a building it's in his faithful people. Got another water drink. 
All right. So next we're going to talk about how Stephen addresses the laws of Moses. The majority of Stephen's account of the Jewish history talks about Moses and how God raised him up. Raised him up to lead the people of Israel, to give them the laws of God, and to speak on God's behalf. Stephen never once condemns Moses or the laws that he gave the people. But he does point out how time after time, the people of Israel choose to reject Moses' laws and turn from God. And Stephen makes some very direct comparisons of the Jewish leaders to their unfaithful ancestors who turned away from God. The Jews of Stephen's time also took pride in the following of traditions, um, in following the traditions of Moses and in following certain laws to a T. But it wasn't the laws that were the problem. It was the fact that the Jews had taken God out of their life and out of the laws that they were following. God gave the laws to bring his people to him and to see how much we need him. But the Jewish people had gotten caught up in the religious system of following laws and rules, but their hearts were still far from God. They, called, they cared more about the laws than they cared about God. And the most ironic thing, um, and Stephen calls him out on this, is that they, they can't even keep their own laws. In verse 53, he says, You who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. They were unable to keep the laws that they cared so much about. Because they had gotten lost in the religious system and rejected relationship with God. I think that many people see Christianity in a similar way to how Jewish, the Jewish leaders saw their faith. Like it's a list of do's and don'ts to follow. That That's what makes me a Christian. Um, read your Bible every day. Go to church. Pray before you eat. Talk to your friends about Jesus. Take a Chi Alpha class. Go on SBO. Don't cuss. Don't drink. Don't have sex with your girlfriend. That doing these things or not doing these things makes me a Christian. I challenge you um, to ask your friends and classmates what makes someone a Christian. This is an awesome conversation starter. And I think you'll be surprised, or maybe not, at, at the answers. Um, I did this several times on campus back at Western in college. Um, and the most common responses I got were these do's and don'ts listed above. Oh, yeah. What, it, what does it mean to be a Christian? Oh, yeah, it means you go to church. Or, oh, yeah, it means you, like, don't do fun things like partying and stuff, right? Right? That's what people think. <coughs> so I challenge you. Ask, ask some of your friends. I think I fall into this mindset, too, sometimes, though. Just going through the motions, trying to fill, fulfill my Christian obligations. But Stephen's saying that it's so much more than that. Stephen challenges the religious system of do's and don'ts and invites us into obedient relationship with God. Let me say that again. Stephen challenges the religious systems of do's and don'ts and invites us into obedient relationship with God. But what does that look like? I think part of the challenge of this 
is that we have to change the way that we see God. God is not some distant judge marking down every wrong or right thing that you do. No, he is a father that dearly loves you and dearly cares for you, and he wants the best for you. He does have some laws and, and ways that he calls us to live life, but he asks that of us because he knows what's best for us. He wants us to live in a way that fully loves and fully lives and points to who he is. So, how do you see God? Does that need to change? Stephen, in his speech, shares story after story of how the people of God rejected the prophets that God sent them, and they turned away from God. Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. The first response to Moses was, who made you ruler and judge over us? Then after, even after he had miraculously led Israel out of slavery, the Jews rejected the laws of Moses and turned away from God to worship a golden calf of their own making. Yet, time and time again, we also see that God's grace is even greater. He continues to give people a second chance. He continues to send prophets and call his people back to him. Stephen calls out the Sanhedrin saying, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. Stephen points to Jesus as the righteous one, the Messiah, the ultimate prophet. They had the Messiah that they had been waiting for right in front of them. But their hearts were too hardened to see it. Even now, um, in this story, even now, the Lord has sent Stephen before them, the, the Jewish leaders, to point all of this out. God lays it all out right in front of them because he is gracious. He's a gracious and loving God who really does desire the best for all people. Unfortunately, the Sanhedrin's hearts were hardened, and in anger, they dragged Stephen out of the city and stoned him to death. They were stiff-necked people, as Stephen put it. And using this, this phrase, Stephen refers back to the story that he told of the gospel of, um, of the people of Israel, sorry, rejecting God and the laws of Moses <coughs> to worship the golden calf that they had made. In that story in Exodus, God calls them stiff-necked people for the first time. He'll call them that several times after that. Um, and I think this, um, this refers to an image of God being the shepherd of his people. Um, we heard that a lot at, at fall retreat, um, that God is the, the shepherd of his people. 
And just imagine a shepherd um, that when a shepherd needed to direct his sheep to guide them um, into a pasture or away from danger, um, he would use a staff to kind of hook their head um, and quickly guide them out of harm's way, right? So he'd like, like that. Um, (laughs) And so when a sheep was responsive to that and obedient, he could quickly guide them out of harm's way. But um, when a sheep would stiffen its neck and resist the staff and fight it, it would not follow the shepherd to safety. Stephen, in this speech, gives a stark warning to the Jewish leaders that their hardened hearts and stubbornness was keeping them from a full life in relationship with the living God. They had turned from God and gotten caught up in the religious system that they had created for themselves. Just as their ancestors had turned from God to worship idols of their own making. Stephen gives us this same warning. There are two ways to live. We can choose to harden our hearts and ignore or resist what the Lord is speaking to us. And try to live in a system that we created for ourselves. Whether that's a a religious system, just kind of going through the motions of your faith. Or putting your faith and hope in, in other things. Or we can choose to humble ourselves before the Lord. And live in obedient relationship to God. A God who loves us and cares for us. And truly wants what's best for us. How do we do that? I think the first thing is to hear the warning. Stephen chose to to say this, to give this speech, um, knowing that what he was going to say was probably going to get him killed. This warning. Hear the warning. Humble yourselves. Acknowledge that... (laughs) Maybe you don't know as much as you think you know. Acknowledge that the Lord kind of knows what's going on more than you do. And that he can guide you and you can trust him in that. And, And repent. Change from the way you're doing things. Listen to what the Lord is speaking to you and obey him. What will you choose? I have some reflection questions um, as the as the worship team starts coming down. Um, and the first is what what is your heart and ears hardened to? God had kept trying to speak to His people, um, and they had hard hearts and and hard ears to not hear it. Right? They closed up their ears. Is the Lord trying to speak to you? Is, is there something the Lord's been trying to say to you? Maybe it's through um, your core leader. Maybe they've been trying to, to teach you something or one of the staff up, up front. Um, or maybe in your God time as you're reading scripture. Maybe the Lord's trying to speak to you something. Are your ears and heart soft enough to hear it? Next question, are you getting caught up 
within the system that you've created, right? Whether it's that religious system, just going through the motions, that's keeping you from a relationship with God or putting your faith in, in other things. And lastly, how is God inviting you into an obedient relationship with him? What are next next steps for that? 